This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's It's Rog, it's Thursday, that day on which we plumb MIB's anals, yes, we put in our thumb and pull out a plum, and this week we do so with a sense of nostalgia, joy and sadness, you know that emotion, we all feel it a lot right now, oh, well, as you know, this Tuesday was meant to be the seventh annual night of the Golden Blazer, that annual celebration in which suboptimality is temporarily set aside so we can revel in the greatness of someone who's grown the game soccer that we love in the nation, America. We adore. This time last year, at a sold-out Skirball Centre for the Performing Arts in downtown New York City, we celebrated our shared love of the game with Jets QB1, and former Saka star in the making, Mr. Sam Donald, followed by the amazingly passionate Liverpool-loving Katie Nolan. Oh, she just adores all the Boston teams. And then we presented the Blazer made of gold to Megan Rapino, And to do so, it was a true honour. We got to revel in the joyfulness and the authenticity and the sense of wonder with which she not only plays the game, but lives out her life as a human exclamation point on and off the field, taking risks, fighting for what she believes in. Oh, does she ever? And that was before she helped us win the World Cup and change the world. This year's Golden Blazer, I do think, might just have topped all of that too. Not just the awardee, whose story is superlative and so worthy, of that blazer weaved, woven, streaved, stroven of gold. But just really, when I think about that night, what I love most about it is the coming together of a thousand men in blazers GFOPs who've Don Tweed and polyester jersey combos before ritually travelling from all over the world to commune with us, to lift the bud occasional shot of Jägermeister and just revel most importantly in each other's company and the sadness and lack that I feel as I say that is overwhelming I'm fully aware and we talked about this on the pod this week there's much worse things going on across the nation right now you, you, you will have experienced a number of these and it pains me to even read out the list graduations cancelled weddings postponed milestone birthdays left unmarked and worst of all funerals experienced not in person but by zoom this is our world right now a global logjam of communal moments or moments that are meant to be communal that have been stolen from us we are bereft many of these moments we're not going to get back and we'll say let the lesson of this experience of absence and denial Let it define us going forwards. You know, when we are through this, let's not take the opportunity of being together for granted ever again. Let's revel all the more in the simple pleasures of life. When we raise a bird in a room packed with football fans and toast lives lived with shared enthusiasm for everything that's important in life. I don't mean birds, banjos, chess, 
Bundesliga. I mean, curiosity, empathy, compassion. Think about that as you listen to this. Savour it all. Savour it all. And focus especially on Megan Rapinoe's approach to life. I mean, her dedication in growing the game. The inspiration she gives us. More importantly, to millions of young boys and girls across this nation. To be bold. To commit to being yourself. To fear nothing. Be authentic. Yes, always, always be yourself. Here it is. The sixth night of the Golden Blazer. Oh, Roger. Live from a sold-out Skirbel Centre. In the crap-adjacent part of New York City. It is the sixth annual night. Oh, the Golden Blazer, Rog. Yes, the most important Blazer presentation in sports, which doesn't involve a musty golf cabin. It's a celebration of a singular great American who's dedicated their life to growing the game we love. Soccer. In the nation we love. The United States of America. That was your line. I wasn't not saying it. I wasn't not saying it, but I knew it was your line. I didn't want to tread on it. This is an award that dates all the way back to 2014. When Arsene Arsene Wenger was still alive. We gave the first ever Blazer O'Gold to the mighty Dr. Bob Lee Esquire. Look at it. It was a 58 regular. (laughs) <laughs> that broadcasting legend and soccer pioneer, the best American general since Patton. 2015 was the year of Super Julie Foudy. <laughs> oh, a player and a broadcaster who's dedicated her life to boundary pushing every aspect of the game. 2016, then Attorney General Loretta Lynch. <laughs> the American who took down Swiss pigman Seth Blatter. 2017, Mercersburg class of 1999, Rebecca Lua. The woman who until two weeks ago was known to one and all as the mother of dragons. New nickname, suddenly welcome. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to age well, Rog, it's not going to age well. And last year, World Cup on Fox anchor, Rob Stone. Alexi Lalas' chauffeur. A man who steadfastly promoted football even back in the days when it was a career killer. Still is. Who will tonight's winner be, Roger? I don't know. But the Golden Blazer sits right there. Proud, glistening, alive, ready to be claimed like the Iron Throne, but less melted. I think we've had a little meeting about the Golden Blazer. We've done this for a few years now, and we want to build more anticipation, and we want to build a little bit more equity around the Golden Blazer. So I think now when we say the word Golden Blazer, we're looking for some audience participation. We're looking for you to be like a little more excited about it. So once again, Rog, say the Golden Blazer sits right there. The Blazer made of gold! But tonight, it's about more than just awards. It's also a chance to celebrate this football season of seasons. 
and the fact that so many GFOPs have flown in from all points to be with us and revel in the company of a thousand other Americans and their shared football fandom. Oh, that is right, Dave. There are GFOPs here tonight from up and down the East Coast. There's that remarkably passionate contingent from Chicago. There's the West Coasters. And again, one of you nut jobs, Adam Kirshner, has for the fifth straight year flown here yesterday from Bahrain. He's going home tomorrow just to watch our crap. Can I just say, God bless you, Adam. And God bless Bahrain. <laughs> Which, rumour has it, UEFA, in their wisdom, are selected for next year's Europa League final. No, there are They're too many, no, 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 too many direct flights. No, Way too many direct but, flights. But they do love a place that is utterly ill-equipped, and it begins with the letters B-A. Very true. It's in the running. Very true. Okay, we've got a pack show. It is guest-tastic, Roger, trademark pending. And not only are we presenting the blazer made of gold, <laughs> but we're also revealing both the first ever American Fans Premier League Player of the Year Award. America. As selected by GFOPs, which will get this amazing prize. <laughs> That's right, a custom-made, handcrafted, WWE-style belt. It was smelted. We're also awarding America's American Player of the Year. Very tough competition this season. It might rhyme with Meandre Schmedlin. You never know. But first, Rog, we are living at a time of peak football. Two death-defying English teams, Tottenham and Liverpool, are only in the bloody Champions League final. And even better, two English teams have made the Europa League final. Let's hear it for the NITs! <laughs> giving thousands of Chelsea and Arsenal fans the excuse to take that dream trip to glamorous Baku off their bucket list! Get ready, Baku! Davo's coming for you! <laughs> and in the FA Cup, Manchester City gave... treble and this is what happens it's wonderful it's wonderful Manchester City gave Watford no reaction whatsoever the same treatment that Daenerys doled out to King's Landing to secure their historic domestic treble though is it technically even a cup final if a manager and his goalkeeper aren't openly beefing for the whole world to see Roger you tell me David don't know and as for the league what a magnificent Premier League season magnificent isn't a big enough word one that we should never take for granted. And right now, we want to revisit our top three moments of this season of wonder. First highlight, by the way, when they're booing listeners at home on the podcast, they're booing out of love and respect. <laughs> the first highlight has to be Manchester City! <laughs> all right, all right. They wobbled in December. But Pep Guardiola was able to handle that dip in form like a WhatsApp engineer repatching in the wake of a security breach. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his magnificent squad, what a record since Boxing Day. Played 19, won 18, lost one. It's and they're not, not even playing in CONCACAF. These are against real teams. 
They finished the season really off. 14 straight wins. And the true moment of wonder came against Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers. I give my life for the Colorado Rockies. No, he, he calls it Brendan Rodgers and Leicester City. It's yeah. not really the same. Leicester thing. City featuring Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> I know it's actually Sorry. Brendan Rodgers and introducing Leicester City. City. A, young, a young franchise and introducing. to watch. Yeah. Anyway, game scoreless, just as Brodge wanted it until the 70th minute when a 33-year-old Meister stepped up and whilst his own teammates and manager screamed, don't shoot, <laughs> he addressed the ball with superlative self-confidence and sheer human will and smacked it with the might of the golden hammer of Thor. Kept going absolutely. Crazy, crazy. Don't shoot, Ben! too early with the goal that essentially wins you the Premier League. That was, though, the most un-Pep Guardiola goal in the history of planet Earth, and one that all but cemented Man City's stunning title defence, for which we, we do give them huge credit, despite all your booing. And for all the we City give them, haters We give out them there, huge credit by booing. Let's yeah. boo in praise. Boo! Boo! So for all you City haters out there, I've said it before, you aren't a big club unless UEFA is investigating you. But what a season, what a trophy haul, what a domestic treble Rogelio. Oh, and what a way to go out for company. The best Vince since Chase. Who has announced he will now return to Anderlecht. Who, Vincent Chase? They wanted Vincent Chase, they couldn't get a deal with Turtle. Yeah. Best He's... thing about that is in rehearsal, Rog called him Tortoise. What? <laughs> a turtle is just a tortoise, but with Jordan Pickford little hands for fins. He's <laughs> <laughs> gone back to Anderlecht, the club he called home between the ages of 6 and 20 to become a player manager. And for those of you Americans who don't know what a player manager is, it's essentially LeBron James. <laughs> Let's hear it for Vincent Company, a man who leaves our Premier League as a winner and a peerless yeah, hero. Absolutely. Many people, Raj, have called that goal the strike of the season. Yeah. However, néanmoins, en français, I'm going to go with a goal that's more of an acquired taste. Two words. Brace yourself. Rog. That's three words, David. Well, you know what is two words? Double doink. Anto Silva gesticulating to his side to defend and make a last stand it goes into the penalty area from alexander arnold mina with the header a wild volley from van dijk it's awkward and he bounces off the crossbar and into the net would you believe it Divock karigi has scored the winning goal in the 96th minute in the most bizarre circumstances pandemonium at anfield don't say this often, and there's children here, so I'm going to clean it up. But shut the F up, Arlo White. <laughs> Jordan Pickford, what are you doing with your tiny little child hands? 
That goal broke our entire season. That broke the whole squad psychologically. Rarely <laughs> have I seen anything in football that was so shocking, yet so entirely predictable. <laughs> After all, Liverpool has scored more 90th minute winners, five against Everton, than any side has against any other in Premier League history. And that is just a fraction of the number they've scored like that on an almost nightly basis in my feverish dreams, Dave. You're a bastard. <laughs> he's, a, he's a damp sleeper. But that's the joy of football, Rog. It devastated you. But in the safest way possible. You're still standing, you still live, you breathe, you drink, bud. It did not make you any worse a person because your team lost. That's true. Football, and that is the joy, can take you to the darkest places. It can also empower you to feel so many ecstatic emotional highs. Even me. <laughs> Which brings me to my personal moment of the season and one of the greatest joys of my life. I took my entire family, my four kids, and my dad. Let's hear it for Judge Ivor. We went to Goodison Park last month. <laughs> Clearly an audience who believe in capital punishment, which is great. He's on... Oh. It was my daughter Zion's first ever Premier League game. And it turned out to be Everton 4. I'm not making this up. This happened, right? Manchester United nil. It was a, it was a viewing experience of wonder that rekindled so many memories of my own childhood adding four new exclamation points of emotion, which all of us shared, three generations of Bennett lifelong blues, a reminder of the one thing that all of us in this room and all of you listening together at home, we all share a sense that football fandom at its core is a story of generations of unforgettable memories passed from parents to children. Rog. And I raise my butt to sharing more to football. Uh, being back at one of the bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Roger always cries when he talks about his children. I love you so much. No, I'm not going. Some of Roger's children are in the crowd tonight. One of mine is here tonight too. We love you kids. Love all of you. By the way, really my, my children in this photograph are in the background. It's the ball guy <laughs> and the man with no teeth. Well, one day. <laughs> one day. One day. So... Rog, your daughter, Zion, she rolls up for the first ever time to Goodison and she sees the super blood moon of Everton performances. <laughs> I mean, in, in hindsight, after Cardiff beat them on the final day, it may be not as super blood moon as we thought it was at the time. <laughs> but the only sad part of the story is how let down she will be when she realises what an anomaly that result was. <laughs> but I digress. Let's get this show on the road. Would you please, dear... Rochelio, you lovely, lovely, warm human being. Give us a toast. I raise my first fifth bud <laughs> of the day as we sit here. Oh, just 16 days from the opening game of the Women's World Cup. <laughs> or as we like to call it, only in private, never in public, the one the United States actually qualifies for. Oh, too soon. As a man who adores the United States of America, the Women's World Cup is honestly the joy of my life, and I want to raise my Bud Fam Blood Fam in toast to the US Women's National Team in France.
We wish them Godspeed and pray we're just 45 days away, please God, from American glory. Yeah. La gloire américaine. Wonderful, wonderful, Rog. Okay, indeed, GFOPs, let's make tonight official. Let's raise your drinks. Producer Rachel, please join us on the stage for tonight's. I'm trying to build more drama into these shows. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> Producer Rachel. Tonight's official photograph. Everyone's beers up or whatever you've got. they've ever had. Derby County! <laughs> Gotta work on that, bro. Gotta work on that. Okay, Rog, on with the show. We always like to kick in by bringing up a local guest. And what a man we have to kick off in our hometown of New York City. A gent who has risen from Southern California to single-handedly redeem his first name from all the damage Big Sam Allardyce has done to the name Sam and become a beacon of hope for an entire franchise. Welcome to the stage, your QB1 for your New York Jets, Mr. Sam Donald! Any Giants fans? Giants fans? Yeah. Any Manchester City fans? <laughs> oh, Sam Donald, it is Crowd a joy favorite. to have you here. You are the best Sam since Tarly. <laughs> Any Samwell Tarly fans here? Yeah. ESPN announcer Chris Fowler. Once more, I was just making sure that my picture was up. I love her. <laughs> ESPN announcer Chris Fowler once marveled when you threw a touchdown pass. He said, I'm not going to do my American accent because I've only just become American and I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's not part of the test. Holy, I can still do it. Hooray for Hollywood! Yeah. Woo! That wasn't what Chris Fowler said. That was me working on my American <laughs> accent. A million dollars! Yeah. A million bucks. Chris Fowler, a million bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hamburger. I can feel <laughs> Hamburger. Holy crap, man. Starsky, we're going to book him. <laughs> Chris bloody Fowler. He once said, he said, some people are born to do things, right? He said, some people are put on this earth to do one thing. Sam Donald is a born quarterback. Sam Donald, I watched that and I thought, I would like Sam Donald to sit with me on stage so I can ask him, 
Do you believe that, Sam Donald? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, uh, that was a crazy, crazy moment in my life. That was the, uh, the Rose Bowl. Um, so it was just, it was a crazy moment. But for, uh, for someone to say that, I think, you know, I don't know if my parents would be proud or if they didn't develop a well-rounded individual. <laughs> um, but I think, I think they're proud of me for what I've been doing so far in my life. It could be that Chris Fowler just doesn't understand the real you. It's always an option C. But yeah. do you believe you were put on the earth to sling touchdown passes? I'm, I'm asking you as a leading question, because I think differently, but what do you think? I mean, I don't know about that. I think, so I love football. I love everything that, uh, that goes into it. I love the preparation, all that stuff, all the corny stuff that you guys have heard a million times. But um, I think, for me, it's, it's really just about um, understanding that life's, there's a, there's a lot bigger picture to life. And I understand that. My parents have raised me the right way to, to be able to understand that. So I know that, you know, there's definitely life after football. Um, it's not just football, but right now that's, that's how I make my living. Um, one day I don't have a family yet, but one day my family is going to, um, you know, I'm going to be able to put food on the table for my children, for, you know, the wife that I'll have one day. Um, to, yeah, to, to, uh, you know, to just be able to, you know, live their lives the best that they can. And for me, that's playing football and, and making money that way. At what age did you, did you see that vision that you could be that? I mean, it was a dream, probably. But what was the age? Third grade. Third right? grade. Yeah. I've done my research. <laughs> it was yeah. third grade. I wasn't aware of it, but apparently... <laughs> I wasn't aware of it, but apparently it was third grade, so... Uh, no, I wrote a little note, I guess, to my teacher, or principal? she was like, hey, yeah, principal. <laughs> same thing, same thing. Uh, you realize that when Rog watches you play for the New York Jets, he basically thinks it's him, because he knows yeah. more about your past than you do. Uh, so, <laughs> so I wrote a note. Uh, they, were, they were like, we, yeah. We, we wrote a note. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, what are your life goals? What do you want to do? And uh, what did I say? Since you know what my life. <laughs> what did we say? I wrote that Sam would like to be a as some writing agent in the figure. <laughs> you wrote that you would like to be a quarterback in the NFL. You said you'd like to be an NFL player. That's correct. And that, what else? <laughs> and he said he'd also like to be a good person. Oh, there you go. He's super he's corny, super cheesy. <laughs> we thought we'd go with cheesy. So we, no, we, this, Sam, I like that. That was the answer for the ladies yeah. early on. Very early on in life. I okay. mean, we, we should make it clear, though, that you had incredible life skills. I mean, yeah. you did. And it wasn't just that you were like, because many of us here in this room also wrote down, we'd like to play in the NFL or we'd like to be a pro athlete. <laughs> Not many people did the good person thing, which is why I also added that on to be different, to make you, Sam different. You succeeded at every single sport you tried. You start, start as a kid at baseball, gridiron football, taekwondo. Yeah. Basketball. In the Almost eighth forgot grade, about that one. Yeah. You entered a high school high jump competition, competing against athletes who'd practiced their Fosbury flops on a nightly basis. Middle school. Middle school. You guys almost okay. got it all. Almost. You'd never really jumped before that. Correct. Yep. You had no proper never form. Never in my whole life. You had no. You didn't know what a Fosbury flop was. No. My mom taught me. She's a PE teacher. And competing against so. real high jumpers. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, there was a kid um, who I'm not going to name right now, 
Uh, but so there's a kid that no one, not a whole lot of people liked, you know. In, it was uh, me. <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you actually remind me of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, so not a ton of people, you know, like this kid. And um, I know dur during when I was practicing and, you know, we had to do the high jump for middle school PE. And so I did it. Uh, I was all right. I wasn't great. And then. Um, they're like, yeah, you're going to compete with this kid in the finals and you'll you get a little ribbon or whatever. And all these kids were like, dude, you got to beat him. And uh, so it turns out I ended up beating him. Uh, he might have gotten hurt. I don't know, but I beat him uh, one way or another. He went down. So uh, it was a good time. And that's just something that I'll never forget. And my mom for sure will, you know, not let me live that down. And, and it was uh, it was definitely a cool little moment. But. Um, a cool little moment. I want to be clear. Cool he cl he jumped five foot three, without ever having really done the high jump before. That's essentially Ryan Weeman Fraser height. Yeah. <laughs> Took first prize. Crushed the dreams of kids who've done the high the high jump night after night after night. To me, when I more I read about you, Sam, you could have been pretty much an elite athlete at whichever pursuit you chose. And here's where I'm going with this. Where did soccer fit in with all of this? <laughs> Because we know that until your teens, young Sam Donald was also quite the soccer star. I look super happy. <laughs> look at you. Just stoked, stoked to yeah. live life, play soccer. Psyched. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, soccer! <laughs> I, think, I think the thing was, is that I was more pumped for the game. Picture day was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're listening at home, just picture the best Sam Sinton Mewis. I like the position you're playing, though. Yeah. Attacker. Yeah. Technical. Yeah. By the way, if you are listening at home, he looks like, like Alexi Lalas's great grandson. Striker. <laughs> what, what, what kind of soccer player were you? Uh, Take, us there. Take us back to I the Sam Donald soccer days, so the glory days. It says attacker right there. And I averaged, <laughs> I averaged probably one. two or three red cards. A match, wow. so. A match? That's yes. impressive. Aggressive. Yes. You're aggressive. Very aggro. Uh, Very aggro. <laughs> it was a fun time, though. I mean, you know, was I was solid. a kid. I was a little bit bigger than most of the kids on the, on the pitch, and uh, so I was just kind of running around, knocking kids out, and stealing the ball from them, getting them to our superstar who would score all the goals. It was great. Why let your natural football inclinations not come through on the soccer field? Yeah. You know, why not? It's all so, football. It's yeah, all football. I think that's when my parents actually put me in American football. Yeah. So they realized. They realized, yeah, this kid's. This they watched kid can't and do they this. thought, wait a minute, yeah. this could work <laughs> much better. I mean, you, you played with a very good UT. You played with a very good player, an incredible yeah. player. Yeah, shout you out uh, Santiago Di Giuseppe. Um, many of you don't know him, but he. I think he was in the Gold movies. Yeah. <laughs> he was a. He was a great high school player, uh, ended up playing club, and then he went to a, a great college in, in California to play soccer, but um, he was like our best player, and so I would shove people out of the way, steal the ball, give it to him, and he would do all the, all the scoring. You were essentially, awesome. essentially a young ginger James Milner. <laughs> what, yeah. what, 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 what happened? How did the American sport of soccer, this is where I wanted to get to in this, in Liverpool, I love you, Come Sam on, Donald. Yeah. Come and be the third man in Play a lot of FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Play a lot uh, of FIFA. How, how, 
here's what I want to get to in this deep investigative report. How the hell did US soccer lose young Sam Donald? Because when I hear your soccer story, I feel like another one escaped our youth development net. Yeah. It could have been Christian Pulisic, Josh Sargent, and you, Sam Donald. <laughs> Look at that, Ginger Pele. Oh, yeah. Look that's at a you. handsome group of guys. Look at you. What yeah, do you that's great. That's <laughs> When you see that, what do you think? Because I see, what do you see when you look at that photo of you, Pulisic, Josh, I see a lot of ginge, but what yeah. else? A lot of ginge going on. You look like soccer gritty. Um, a little, yeah, a little too much emotion for me. Yeah. Um, I I'm not, I don't like to show emotion when I'm out there playing, so. Yeah. It can still happen. I'm way too happy. All I'll tell you is US soccer will still take a two-sport athlete. This could be your Deion Sanders moment. Yeah. I think he might see a few less zeros. Anyway, oh, I know. No comment. I know you still play a ton of FIFA. Tell us, who's your favorite player sure. in FIFA? Who do you? Um, what team? What teams do you play against each other? What's your favorite player? Um, I like Man City. Uh, I like playing. Hey, easy. They Let me get into love. Let me get into it. So I like playing with Man City. I don't know if I'm a fan of them or not. I love what, De Bruyne. Is that Kevin how you De Bruyne. It? Kevin Hello, Ginger. Yeah, Ginger well, respects Ginge. Yes. So I saw him on the I saw him on the cover. I was like, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta play with him, and yeah. I, he's got to be my favorite player. And um, he's so like you. He's very good at passing underneath to a check down option or airing out deep to Raz. <laughs> Can you say that one more time without yeah, looking at without your clock? Good. <laughs> and in and in third grade. I wrote that Sam Donald wants to be an NFL player or a good person. <laughs> I was bullshitting about the good person bit. <laughs> I got one last question for you, because we do have a lot of kids here tonight, despite the fact I just said bullshit, and I apologize. <laughs> and I love the story about you. I really do, Sam. In the third or the fourth grade, I can't remember which it was, the principal asked us to list what we wanted to be in life. I said I wanted to have a good head of hair. <laughs> and you did say publicly, you said number one was a player in the NFL, and number two, you said I want to be a good person. As someone that is neither of those two <laughs> things, <laughs> can I ask you, what is the secret to making the dream thing come true? <laughs> really, sincerely, what is the secret? Because oh, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. As you crack a bud, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, I think one of the, I don't know, I mean, I'm 21, I don't, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think one of the, one of the, one of the most important, I think it's possible to do it without them, um, it's definitely possible, but it's less likely, I think having great parents is definitely part of it, and when I was in third grade, when I was writing that, I was like, alright, what do I, <laughs> I was like, okay, what do I want to be? And then I said, all right, a pro football player, great. And I was like, all right, what would my parents, oh. you know, what would my parents want me to say? And I know yeah. my teacher's going to show this to them. And I think, <laughs> but honestly, I think. Can I just say, George, wherever you are, listen to that. <laughs> yeah, I think in my head it was, uh, it was just ingrained in they told me so much, like, treat people the way you want to be treated. They had a bunch of sayings to blah, just... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> just to be the nicest person. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, 
I guess. Give the people what they want is yeah, what you're saying. The grounding of <laughs> having great parents was definitely. Is there something that you that. think could have derailed you becoming a great NFL player? Because I sometimes watch the athletes who do this, who become super successful in their sports. And I feel like it was inevitable that they became there because they are just so other human, otherworldly to people who don't make it. It almost seems inevitable that they go there. But from your point of view, was it inevitable that this happened? Or what no, could have happened to I derail think, it over the way? Well, I think, uh, you know, a bunch of people, you know, there's definitely luck involved. Um, but I think luck is when execution meets opportunity. Huh. Um, so I think for me, there was some luck involved. You know, guys, you know, um, maybe not making the squad, you know, a quarterback I was going up against and coaches along the way are like, oh, you know, we think you might fit better in our scheme and all that stuff. Um, at USC, um, the college I went to, it was, it just so happened, oh, whatever. They, they, they hiss out of love. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a hiss of love. A hiss of love. East Coast, I don't know why I said it. Uh, Keep going. There you go. Go Dodgers. Uh, the Brooklyn more Dodgers. More booze. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think just, I think opportunities, having opportunities and taking advantage of them um, is something that I've learned you got to do along the way. And. I think that's another one of those traits, you know, along with having a great foundation and great parents. Well, look, only You're 21 years old. Blake. Only 21 years old, but already, what a man. Sam, we wish you a season of wonder for the year ahead. New York City, let's hear it for the quarterback of your New York Jets, Sam Donald! Hey, you want a fist bump? That's awkward. Donald, five foot three, high jumper. One of America's great high jumpers, guys. Oh. 20, 21 years old. I could, I technically could, could be his grandfather. <laughs> 32 years, 16, 16, could happen. Have you done the 23 and me? <laughs> I have done my 23 and me. <laughs> Maybe. You never, I'd be honoured. I'd be honoured. <laughs> Not with his hair. I'd be honoured. only 21. America. Can I just tell you, when I sit down with Sam Donald, I think, America. <laughs> I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> and yet, you were born in such different worlds. <laughs> Me and Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Sam. They do say Liverpool's the California of England. <laughs> who, who says that? Who, who actually has ever said that in history? Other than, other than your great, 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 great grandparents who got off the boat in Liverpool believing it was the new world. There. I think all they said to each other was, thank God we're out of there. Go on, keep going. Okay. <laughs> Who's our next guest? Oh, well, funny you ask. Our next guest, Rog, is the child of another great American city, Boston. Hey. Oh, there we go. Oh, my God. They, they boo out of love. Oh, they yeah. boo out of love. love. 
a woman. Okay, there we go. Okay, so, so just to recap, anti-Boston. Yeah. Pro-woman. Yeah. We'll a woman it. who has become one of America's most passionate Premier League soccer fans. We welcome to the stage the star of ESPN's Quite Brilliant, Always Late, with Katie Nolan. Katie Nolan. To my heart, I must be true. Bar mitzvahs. Is it Greece? Yeah, that was Greece. All Is right. that true that you used to dance at bar mitzvahs? I did used to dance at bar mitzvahs. Oh, now you're slumming it Can with I us. Try it? Yeah, please. <laughs> it's a new beer that I've invented. It's called Budweiser. Look at all these people, you guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. Katie Nolan. Love you, mean it. Somebody said it. Sorry. I love Go it. Ahead. Katie Nolan, your burgeoning, I think that's a good word, Premier League football fandom has been, honestly, one of the joys of our Premier League season. Especially. Oh, don't, no, don't. You don't have to. No, no. Hi, we're people who are fans of a sport. You're new here. We'll clap for you. Especially, especially for Rog, who monitors very carefully with notebooks that are labeled how many of American sportscasters actually follow the sport. <laughs> there's you. There's Bill Simmons. Roger's still holding out for Doris Burke. I'm Beth Merrins. But I have a question for you, and I feel like I was sort of there at the beginning, or the beginning of the beginning. How exactly did you first get hooked on soccer? First, I'd like to say, I feel like I'm testifying at Congress right now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'd like my uh, minute back. I'm reclaiming my time. Uh, <laughs> uh, how did I get started? So you- Oreos! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so freshly American that you don't, you haven't he's heard so stick to sports yet, I so know. you, it's like, he's, oh, he's discovering politics. Well, I, yeah. He's box fresh American. Yeah, it's right really now. adorable. Yeah. Um, it's very distracting to have to look at you two while I'm sitting up here. It's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, so uh, how did my sports fandom start? You, I mean, it's very nice of you to not take credit for it here on stage. Um, but when, in, in 2013, on a little show called Crowd Goes Wild. This is where you'd pause and let people cheer, but I'm not even gonna. Um, <laughs> that was your executive no. produced by you, hosted by Regis Philbin. May he rest in? No, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. I'm just covering my bases. <laughs> he's still alive, Katie. I he's just was alive. covering my bases. Regis I haven't no. logged on to Twitter yet today. <laughs> no, he's still alive. It's like, it's like, it's like Jon Snow. They brought him back to life, Katie. No. They brought him back to still life. Still alive. Vinny, Vinny just texted me. And how lucky we are that he is still with us. <laughs> yeah. Can we just, can, can we just, can we just applaud, can we just applaud a man who's 98% made of mothballs? No, but he, no, come on. He, was show, he didn't fluid. so much host the show. He's the best guy in he the world. He didn't so much host it as he, he witnessed. He walked in the first day. He witnessed it. Yeah, he walked in the first day. He's like, look, I only care about the Yankees. And uh, what's the college that he gives us? The Notre Dame. Thank you. Uh, these are the only ones I care about. And yeah. then I was like, oh. And it's the life after death. There's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And that yeah. was our job. But anyway, so uh, it w we, we had started as a show that was going to be like, hey, 
it's okay, you know what you know, we're just here for comedy and sports. <laughs> and then we had been on FS1 for like a week, it's first week of being a network. FS1. Yeah, that's right, the one for fun. Um, <laughs> and so they were the one for fun, except for the fact that after the first week of shows, they were like, hey, you guys aren't doing enough sports. <laughs> we were and, like, And but also, you're following Champions League and Europa League soccer, because yeah. this is when Fox still had Champions League and Europa League Fox. Really let it go, I'm I not know, sure why. Know, no one knows. Uh, but um, and so we had to follow that, and so The I A Block went from being like, oh, goofy bit, goofy bit, and then it was like, what do you think about Spurs' chances? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, the Spurs, and I was like, no! Okay, Spurs! So I remember dictating, which is what I do a lot as a producer, that, that every single one of our talent, you, Michael Costa, Georgie, We all got a Regis, team assigned. Trevor, Jason Gay had to have a team assigned mm -hmm. to you, but I honestly cannot remember whether you chose Liverpool or whether I made you take Liverpool. I don't understand that. It I don't is remember. the unanswerable question. Did I choose Liverpool or did Liverpool choose me? Very true. Uh, <laughs> Here's what I want to no. know though. Why? Why? Because you are from Boston. I just want to recap a little bit. You just asked the question and the answer. Oh, whatever. Fuck off. No. Uh, <laughs> children. Sorry. Okay, Boston. Just to recap, New England Patriots. Why are we doing so, this? So, hang on. I, a, super, su super Bowl champions. Super Bowl champions. You're booing the Super Bowl. The most thrilling yeah, Super Bowl. By the way, just so you know, ICE agents are outside. If you boo the Super Bowl, <laughs> I would not boo the Super Bowl. Red so, so Sox fresh. World Series. Champions. Champions. It was so good to be here. Thank you so much. The Bruins, <laughs> the Bruins have a hand on the Stanley Cup. Hey, hey. Oh. They don't put their hand on it because then they wouldn't thank win. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Test passed. <laughs> Essentially, I'm trying to say, Katie Nolan, you like teams. That you tea like party, teams. We won that. You like teams that win. Oh, really? Why then did you allow yourself to fall in love with Liverpool Football Club? <laughs> I learned a new term this year, which is bottled. I had to Google that, and I was like, what do they mean we bottled the league? And then when I found out, I was like, fuck. <laughs> we did bottle the league. Um, no, look, I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's something about, and maybe it's always been this way, but this year I really, I didn't want to fall back, like fall in love with another team, and they just sucked me in like this team is incredible to watch and I really think it's because there was something about them that reminded me of and I know you're all gonna roll your eyes but let me speak my truth um, <laughs> they, it, they reminded me of the Red Sox before the Red Sox won they reminded me of shut up no, just keep going. there is Great. something too when your team is like known to be this loser and they just keep disappointing why are you pointing at I'm me just i'm trying to make you forget so the booing they I just, love it. they keep they keep disappointing you and whatever and it's, it's and it's awful and if you are a fan of a team like you know the jets that have done this to you Sam Darnold's so nice, right? Lovely. So nice. Lovely. Um, but it, if you're a fan of a team that's losing all the time, you get really sucked up in like the, this is awful, I wish I could be this other team. But I'll tell you, what you don't recognize in that moment is like you are living a thing that when it flips, you'll miss a little bit. And I really think Liverpool, it, as sad as it is, uh, like 
roped me in, and it just happened to be that this was the year that they so got the third highest point total in the Premier League ever. And it they was lost. You got a trophy for that. The, but so 2013, you weren't really into it. No. But the Women's World Cup. But I wore that jersey like it was. You did. You I did. also you I remember it. it was the first thing I got in trouble for for TV. Well, no, the first one was when you told the entire room that I flew first class. And I got a phone call that was like, you're not, you don't make enough money to fly first class. That was a compliment. Yeah. I see thanks, that as, But like, I got I yelled relate. at for it. But the second thing I got in trouble for was you were like, okay, we need to return that Liverpool jersey that we got you. And I was like, I'm going to keep it. And you were like, I need you to return it. And I was like, I'm going to keep it. And I still have it. Dude, I've so never been that efficient at enforcing D rules. David, David wants to know if the tags are still in it so he can take it back to Models. <laughs> but I, I want to say there is to me an indelible connection between Boston and Liverpool. Both are coastal cities, both believe they're capital of Ireland. <laughs> they're off maligned. But, but uh, honestly, Liverpool, and I think Boston too, they, they believe their republics are separate, superior to the nation that surrounds them. You went to Liverpool for the first time this yes. season. I loved when you went. I want to know, did you feel you had travelled all that way, got off the plane, and somehow felt you were back in Framingham? In what now? Framingham. Freeming Framingham? Wherever the it's hell. Framingham. I'm working on my American it's accent. It's not a palace. <laughs> Framingham Palace. It's a lovely palace. It's an amazing palace. We what have would, a mall you know what? We should make, what we should, would Framingham We should make the Queen live in Framingham Palace. I'd like the royals then if they uh, lived in Framingham Palace. I did not feel like I was back in Framingham. Um, but I did, I mean, I, I don't, maybe I just do this with every city that I like. But when I got, I'd never been to England before at all. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I was like, I really like it here. It's like Boston, but not in Boston. But I've been to San Francisco and been like, it's like Boston on the West Coast. And you go to Chicago, you're like, it's like Midwest Boston. <laughs> so I think it's just an annoying thing Boston people do when they like a place. Instead of saying, I enjoy it here, they're like, this place like Boston. <laughs> uh, but I, lo I loved it. The people there are amazing. Got picked up from the train in an Uber that was like this huge van. Because we... Wait, when they we have flew Uber in Liverpool? Yes. This is amazing. Yes. We, 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 we stole them from Manchester. We flew to London. <laughs> we flew to London and then we took the and I and I was with all the posh. God, London is so yes. posh. What's the what's the um what's the neighborhood that's really young and cool that sounds like Aubonpin? Or it sounds like what? There, it sounds like a bread, a, like a Panera or something. And I was, somebody was like, oh, we're in Panera. Is it, like, it, 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 it Arby's? It's where the Soho house is. What, in Shoreditch? Shoreditch. Oh, uh, I think they said we're in Shoreditch of something. And I was like, I think there's plenty of those. It was okay. they, I messed that up, but I think they had said, like, we're in Shoreditch. That's a Panera in Shoreditch. And I was like, they're not in Shoreditch. I've seen a million Paneras. <laughs> um, anyway, it's fine. I understood that. <laughs> So we went, we went to London and everybody was cool, everyone had cool hair, everyone looked like they woke up and thought about what they were going to wear that day. And I was like, what does that feel like? Um, and then we went, we got on a like long train where the train person says like, you did it, you've made it, relax, enjoy a movie. It's like, what the fuck was this? Ours is like, if you see something, say something. <laughs> The who's the train person? The, the, like the, the, the voice over the train. Oh, I got it. Okay. Ours the is like, you're going to die. And yours was like, hey, you ran. You made the train. 
It was amazing. So I loved it there. Then we take the train to Liverpool, and I get there. We get off, and not every there's no posh. And I was like, I'm home. This is it. This is it for me. A guy picked us up in a van. I asked him if he liked soccer. Sorry, football, whatever. You guys are so mad about it all the time. Uh, and he was like, nah, I love stock car racing. Oh, there you go. And I was like, you I need it. Steve. Yeah, I need, I need another a bit Uber. Special. I need, I want an English Uber. Anyway, I loved it. Is that what you asked? I don't remember. Shoreditch. Panera. But then it was the women's, but then the women's World Cup and meeting all those you know, the Women's World Cup How team. many of you have met any of the athletes in the Women's World Cup? <laughs> that many of you? You don't deserve that. Are they the nicest, best people? Like, I don't, I know that sounds like, oh, she's such a feminist. They are the nicest, <laughs> most interesting people I had ever talked to in interviews. And they treated me like a, I'm genuinely interested to be here. And I, from that moment, I was like, I am in love. And that was the first, I know a lot of young women play soccer. I played softball, different tracks. Um, I never played soccer in my life, and I'm garbage at it. And I still half understand it, and I don't give a fuck if, you, if that matters to you. Um, I just know that Virgil van Dyke is incredible at it, so I don't really care. Um, but so I, I, I watched the Women's World Cup four years ago, and I was like, I love this sport, and I think I kind of get it. Um, and then fell in love with Mo Salah, and here we are. Here we go. I mean, I won't get it. It was Daniel Sturridge first, uh, which now I'm like, oh, this. Wow. I mean, you, you see. Want to be a bar mitzvah dance moves. I would just say, for young people who are here, Daniel Sturridge was a player that once played for <laughs> Liverpool Football Club. But I will say, you have stepped into Liverpool Football Club fandom a remarkable time for the club. Back-to-back -back Champions League finals. You've gotten to marvel at the play of a singular amazing human being, a gent who we chatted about before you came on stage. He's noble, he's clinical in equal measure. We speak, of course, about the Egyptian king, Mr. Mo Salah. Can you, can you describe the feelings that you have when you watch him play? I know that people will be like, oh, you just love him, you just think he's cute. You just, and I will say, when he took his shirt off after that goal, it's like, oh, dang, I didn't even really know that. Um, <laughs> But I just, like, I remember the first time I watched him play. And it just reminded me of, because I know I'm a dumb American, but I, I re it reminded me of, like, athletes I've loved to watch in my sports. Obviously, they were nothing alike, but it was just, like, I can't take my eyes off this guy. Like, he's smart. He's enjoying it. It's, I, I know you, it's always been called the beautiful game. And I was always like, oh, I'm sure. And then I was like, because their hair, because the hair gel, they're so beautiful. And then I was like, no, shit, that's like, he just did like a, like a ballet move, and now the ball's not where it was before. And, oh, it's in the net. Um, Who does he rem remind you of in your American? It's not, I'm not even going to say a name, because he'd be like, they don't play anything alike, because that's what dudes say when you're like, he reminds me a lot of whatever. I just mean in terms of just, like, the beauty of the Tom Brady situation. And shut up! I just mean, see, see, thank you, sir. No, it's just in a sense of like, I don't, I just want to shut up and watch him play. Well, let's and do that. Okay. Let's do yeah. that. Oh, okay. For, for, your, for your viewing pleasure. Well, what do you have? Katie Nolan. One touch. Surrounded by Liverpool really like defenders. Mane got a challenge in. Now, here's a chance on the counter attack. 
Mohamed Salah against Ryan Bertrand. Firmino's up with him. Salah. Mohamed Salah! He's done it for Liverpool! The drought is over! And how important could that goal be? the end of the drought was it not yeah, I mean he had, the, he had the own goal the game before which was the game that I was at I preferred but the drought when that, no see I loved it because the I drought like Egyptian drought it, it may just be a thing I noticed but it was like he's not smiling anymore he doesn't seem as full of life he seems like he's questioning himself and he's questioning where he's supposed to be and what he, and again what the fuck do I know? But he just seemed like he was he wasn't himself. But there, there's an incredible joy that he embodies is ultimately what yes. you're saying. Yes. When it, that happened, I was like, we back, baby! I was so excited! A, he has a child's love of the game encased in an alpha male's body. There's passion, there's lethality, there's an enlightened mind, there's a smattering of chess wig hair. I mean, he, I look at him and I think like he's the man we all wish we were. The Egyptian king. He is the man I wish I was, absolutely. He, give, he, <laughs> gi he gives us hope that men are going to be okay. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. We're Couldn't not. agree more. We're were not. you saying something super feminist? This is really good. We're not, but we're going to be. Now, I am not a Liverpool fan, Katie Nolan. They're I want not to tell even you. open. Well, open them. For God's sake, open them, please. What are you doing? We're not allowed to open them. Wait, if I don't open it, we could No, we're not allowed to. If, by the way, if I was told if, I was not allowed to open them here. If, if you open those beers, then we get um, uh, we get we get arrested by Skirble. But um, that's okay. Skirble. Skirble. I am not a Liverpool fan. I have taken an incredible delight in your love of the game that I love. One of the joys of my season has been texting with you. Don't let them laugh at you. You're saying something very kind. I am. A, I, I'm a. Can I just tell you one thing? I'm a huge Katie Nolan fan. An enormous Katie Nolan. Fan. I think the world of I think the world of what she does, I think the world of how she does it. And one of the joys of my season has been texting with you as the title race went down to the wire. And I'm a horrible man, I take no pleasure in it. Half my family love Liverpool. And when they played Newcastle in the second to last game of the season, they needed to win Divock Origi, Belgian Hodor, essentially. Rolled onto the field, got them a late winner, and I was in San Francisco airport on my own. I was working, and I was watching at the airport, and a tear ran down my face. We were texting. You, Katie Nolan, wrote something beautiful to me that I'm going to read. Are you going to read a text I sent you? Yeah. Can you I look at it first? Yes. <laughs> it's totally, it's like to Rog, so it's totally kosher. You wrote, Rog, I'm sobbing. This team has seized my entire heart in their hands. And each week, I'm excited and terrified what they'll do with it. To me, that was poetry. <laughs> that is so beautiful. I wasn't. I didn't want to sell you out as a non-Liverpool fan. But when during the the, cha the second leg in the Champions League, and you sent me that picture of Jon Snow. <laughs> Like being revived from the dead, and I was like, I can't text you right now, Roger. I'm freaking out. It's true, and here's what I want to know because they did come alive again in that game. I've sent you Tracy Chapman album. What the hell with that game, guys? What the hell? I was at work, and I, if it were a, I'm, and this is the thing about America, if it were like a football game, like, uh, sorry, American football game, or like a, a baseball game, people would have cared, and I was, I was screaming, not work screaming, like I stood up, I flipped my chair, 
I like half took my shirt off and then remembered where I was. I was like, yeah! And everyone was like, what is this? I'm like, it's the Champions League, you idiot. Knowing full well that four years ago, I was like, what's this? <laughs> Here's what I want to know. If a truly human team like yours, which it is ultimately, I set up a grudge. You just said yours. I got very excited. They are mine, but nobody's they ever They are yours, it. but does not win the Premier League, and they didn't win the Premier League. Thank you. I forgot. Does that, that, does that matter? Or is it all that matters is that they made you feel things, gave you memories, made you feel alive? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a newer fan, I don't know if this is like the take that all Liverpool fans have. I wanted them to win the Premier League way more than I wanted them to win the Champions League. And I know that Manchester City feels the opposite of that, so that makes me feel a little bit happier. Um, but at the same time, it's just, I, I, I really, I really to win the Premier League. And I would have, it, it hurts less when you lose it by a lot than when you lose it in a record setting way. <laughs> that's not, that's not dope. That's not great. So uh, didn't love that. But I, but there's something about the team. Jurgen Klopp, like, please stay forever. <laughs> please stay forever. Your interview with him was fantastic. Even though I was in it. Is it, I, he, he is like a Teutonic Care Bear. When I, I went, I got, to inter, I got to ask him one question in his press conference. They told me that when I got there, and I said no. <laughs> Just my immediate response was like, no. Because what one question do you ask Jurgen Klopp in a room full of people who are like, hey, it's Jurgen Klopp, I see him every week. And I'm like, it's fucking Jurgen Klopp, look at his teeth. Just ask, uh, him, just ask him if he fears death. I asked him what I, as a fan, could do to help. <laughs> but I will tell you, there's video of it on the internet. You can find it because everyone was like, "Idiot American fan asks a question. What is she? Is like, is she, she make a it. wish?" She and I was like, it. "But I." So I asked it, and he, it pretend I'm him. Okay, he looking at me goes. And I was like, cool, I can die now. I don't mean any. He laughed at me with this full laugh. And I was like, I love this. I, I will die for Liverpool. I probably will die because of Liverpool. You know, but I'm in now. I'm in. And I good. know that, like, I want you both to know you had something to do with that. Good. I, this is a sport. I know you make soccer. You make soccer. fun of how we say it. That's it. Soccer. And we did have something it. to do with it. We exhumed Regis Philbin. <laughs> <laughs> David. May he rest <laughs> in peace. No, 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 it's a lot. Eventually. Eventually. I'm getting out ahead of it. I sent a card. We love him. So I we've had talked three beers. We've <laughs> talked a lot. That I said on the pod last week that this has been a season that has defied any logic. Manchester City may just have been the greatest. Premier League team of all time. They or maybe the they were cheaters. Or One maybe second. they cheated. You haven't arrived until you're being investigated by UEFA. They, they won the domestic treble, which nobody has ever won before. It is and amazing. Yet, Congratulations. And yet, Liverpool may be the best team in Europe ever. this year. It's amazing. It doesn't make any sense. And they could still bring home a massive piece of silverware June the 1st in Madrid. Gotta soften your mouth to say that. Is it, wait, is anyone here going to like what's it, Baku, Azerbaijan? 
for the Europa. You're going? No, I'm not. I want to, but I can't. God, what a trip. That I st- did the show on it this week. I was like, that trip is bad trip. ridiculous. It's a, bad trip. it's a great so trip. If you, have, if, you, if you have, like, arms or nuclear shit to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. They love it. They love it. Like a bit of uranium. Oops. Mkhitaryan, I know how to say that. I know, Mkhitaryan, That's very well how done. you know. By the way, Mkhitaryan hates Arsenal more than Spurs fans <laughs> hate Arsenal, just to be candid. Go so on. Sorry, Spurs go on, I versus Liverpool in you know the Champions League You know Michael Davies used to be my boss, so when I can interrupt him, it makes me very happy. <laughs> it's, sorry, it's go like, ahead. It's like you never used to in 2013-14. I tried. We That's get not your how hockey works, Michael. We want to get your prediction on how that game is going to play out. And for that, we need a prophetic shot of Jägermeister. Oh. Theatre producer extraordinaire, John Johnson. Please do the honors. John honest. Johnson. He's won Tonys. He's won Tonys. He's bringing Jägermeister to Katie Nolan. Many of them. What well, didn't he win a bloody... Uh, the only show he's not won a Tony for is, is this, this one. <laughs> He's won Tony's for To Kill a Mockingbird. Have you seen it? Hello, Dolly. Have you seen it? John Johnson produced those and this crap. Can I pour some? It is a sipping drink. It's a sipping drink. It's also a prophetic drink. And if you drink that, and if you drink that, then you will be able to tell us what happens in the future. Have a drink. Tell us what's going to happen in the Champions League final. off with Spurs. <laughs> Harry Kane, Harry Kane wants to play American football. <laughs> Let him be a kicker for the Patriots like he wants to be. <laughs> very nice guy though. For the okay. Jets. He's a very nice guy. He's really kind. I can't say anything mean about him except Katie. Fuck him. Sorry, what? Give me a prediction. The Jägermeister has foretold Look. the Champions League final to you. Not your thoughts, the thoughts of the okay, Jägermeister. Because, because my thoughts are, I'm very superstitious. I'll never say anything in any way. We're asking for you to have the Jägermeister Jager speak thoughts. through you. So I'm going to, like, speaking yeah, exactly. in tongues type of a thing? Okay, yeah. give me one sec. It's 38 seeds and herbs. It is a, uh, it is a sipping drink, but I'm going drink. to chug it. <laughs> KT. Oh. It's gone before you even finish a chant. <laughs> I think the game is going to be in Madrid. <laughs> wow. Huge. I know. Uh, it, it's going to come down to the to the 87th minute. Wow. Specific. Just feeling it. Okay. Feeling the vibes. Uh, it's going to be a dramatic goal. Bye. <laughs> I was going to say, by somebody oh. on Liverpool that you're like, huh, what? Yeah, love uh, yeah <laughs> it's going to, like, uh, Origi, two goals, huh? Um, it, so uh, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be, man, explosive. It's going to be explosive. Okay. Uh, and the final score, it's going to shock you. Uh-huh. That's my prediction. Milner, Milner, Milner rips his shirt off. If he wants to, that's his decision. That would be unbelievable. That All those wires decision. just hanging out, those droid wires. <laughs> I want to say that my Jägermeister tastes of, a, it tastes of a Hung Min Son, Knight of Legend. Wow. 
This get I agree with you. This game is going to be tied up until the dying moments. Oh, and then Spurs are going to bring on Jenko Son and Sonny. And Sonny's going to step up and do the unimaginable. He's going to create a Spurs that wins things. Wow. Which does beget a question for you, Katie. If oh. Liverpool do fall apart oh. and do not sustain that challenge, will you stay with them? Or will you kind of experience the emotions I do every week when an episode of Game of Thrones ends and you're left with a television that's trying to make you watch Barry? Barry very good this season. Yeah, I gave up on it. I, I'm not, it's not a judgment on Barry, it's a judgment on me that after like three episodes of season one, I was like, I don't think this is for me. And now I'm gonna go back, I'll go back. I'm very busy. I have things like this to do. Um, <laughs> of course, I mean, You'll take Barry. it would be Gareth disgusting Barry. of me <laughs> to be like, oh, if they lose, I'm out of here. Like, no, I'm in, I'm for in life. on this team that I didn't want to be in on, I didn't need to be in on, and I talk about on my podcast and my show and everyone's like, soccer, ugh. And I'm like, but this is really interesting, what's happening? You used to say to me, soccer, there's so much going on around it, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a soap opera, but for dudes, which I now, now I hope you know, yeah. it's also a soap opera for women. <laughs> Uh, but because I remember being like, well, a soap opera for dudes is a soap opera. Like you can still watch them. It's not women only. Um, but uh, I was like, okay, I bet it's like a soap opera for dudes. I've heard that about WWE and WWE. I want it to hook me, and it hasn't. And I've really actively tried, and it hasn't. It did a little because Becky Lynch is the shit. But other than her, it didn't hook me. And then soccer, I was like, I don't care. Actively said, I don't care. And it was like, we don't care, you don't care. You're hooked now. And so it's like, damn it, now I gotta love this team. It's gonna be very expensive to love this team, but I love the shit out of this team. Well, you are gonna like what my Jägermeister told me, Katie Oh, Nolan. what does it say? My Why don't I tell you what your Jägermeister said? It's all about Bobby Chompers. That's all that my Jägermeister is telling me. Bobby Chompers. Did you see Bobby that he Firmino. got the, when he got his teeth whitened that he said he looked oh, at the? Oh, he got his teeth whitened. I never no, noticed. No, no. But did you see that his dentist said that he looked at the like the range of whiteness to whiteness, and he looked at the whitest one and said, "Whiter than that." <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I want that tooth with I want that tooth with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. I like it. It was a, it was a slogan. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. wanted Danny White. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That Go ahead, boss. That was an OxyClean reference. Um, By the way, Bobby Firmino is going to be furious when he listens to this shit. <laughs> Come on, David. I take see Liverpool Hi, 2, Spurs 1. I'm sorry, Spurs fan. <laughs> Katie Nolan, you are a remarkable talent Not to really. your team. And by your team, I mean the Boston Bruins. <laughs> Good luck to you. Let's hear it, ladies and gentlemen, for a great talent. Katie Nolan! these men they're two of the best men in this industry stand up stand up for them they're incredible Katie bloody Nolan yeah. best Nolan since Kevin <laughs> get down to some official business David come on it is 
We have a quorum here, Rog, I believe, to anoint a new Golden Blazer winner. All those in favour, say aye. Aye. Okay, that was good. Before we get to the Golden Blazer, we have two Men in Blazers awards. We are debuting. I believe that's a word this season. The American Premier League Player of the Year award given to the Premier League player who American fans have most enjoyed getting up early and watching this season. And second, the American American Premier League Player of the Year. The American Premier League player who America has enjoyed the most this season. Let's begin with the latter because frankly, this was not the banner year for the American American Player of the Year. Yes, it was a race between old yeller, Tim Ream. Let's sprinkle in the handful of substitute appearances Danny Williams gave Huddersfield. And then a late claim by Emerson Hinderman, who in an April substitute appearance had an incredibly impressive entire six minutes, almost subverted the whole thing for, yeah, Bournemouth, for Bournemouth, David. Amazing. The winner was obviously DeAndre Yedlin. He is the Pele of the throw-in. He played with the speed of an American kestrel up at Newcastle all season. I will say this about DeAndre Yedlin. What tenacity he's displayed, staying in English football, grinding his way back to the Premier League, bettering his game, when it would have been easy to return to the United States, play MLS, live close to family and friends in a country that, you know, has electricity. <laughs> but he has taken the road less travelled, and may that hard work and tenacity bear fruit in 2022. <laughs> Please, God. And Rog. May the arrival of Christian Pulisic at Chelsea make the American American Player of the Year award more competitive next season. If Derby County come up, there's Dwayne Holmes. Very excited about Dwayne Holmes. American Premier League Player of the Year award. Frankly, a little bit more competitive. And to remind you, at great cost, we smelted this award. The Belt d'Or! La Ceinture d'Or! It's not really or, it's kind of like a metallic composite. It's all we could afford. We asked you, the listeners, to name the Premier League player who most wowed you in the early weekend mornings all season. We had thousands of votes. It was neck and neck. Bernardo Silva made a late charge. Raz came close. Phil Jagielka surprisingly laid a goose egg. But the winner of the first ever American Fans Premier League Player of the Year Award, the Belle d'Or, the Santo d'Or, as voted by American fans, was this gentleman. He's a Santo d'Or. He's a number four. Watch him defend. And we watch him score. Hello America, hello men and blazers, this is Virgil van Dijk. I want to thank you for voting for me as American Fans Player of the Year. It is an honor to think that my players part of this Liverpool team most thrilled the growing fan base of football fans across the United States. I particularly want to thank all American Liverpool fans. I look forward to playing out there in the States this summer on Liverpool's American Tour. Until then, may you never walk alone.
and your new heavyweight champion. <laughs> Gent Rodge, what a footballer, what a leader Virgil van Dyke has been powerful enough to survive even meeting you, Rodge. That was me trying to curse him. I didn't tell him when I met him how much we love him in America. We talked actually if he was born here, he would have been one of the greatest tight ends the, the NFL's ever seen. And he loved that, but in the Premier League, he's been a game changer this season. That we have had a title race totally. is down to that one man. Okay. Can we hear it for that yeah. gentleman? All right, Rog, it's time. Are you ready? I was born not ready, Davey. Okay, let's do it, Rog. We are going in. Davey, we at Men and Blazers are firm believers in two things. Number one. That soccer is America's sport of the future, as it has been since 1972. Number two. That the World Cup shouldn't be called the Men's World Cup. The Women's World Cup is so important and great, we should lose the first word. It should from now on be known only and definitively, the Men's World Cup should be called the Men's World Cup. The Women's World Cup should just be known as the World Cup. In that vein, Let's bring to the stage, Rog, a remarkable human being who has excelled as a footballer with her joyful maverick play on the field, winning gold medals and a World Cup, while bringing that same spirit to the world around us. The head of the defense of their World Cup title, it is an enormous pleasure to welcome to the stage a self-described strong, fierce badass from the Seattle Reign and your defending world champion, United States national team, soon to be the winner of the 2019 Golden Blazer, Megan Rapino. Introduction, gold, what a, what a cracking tune. We don't dust off the Spando ballet for any old crap. Yeah. Sam Donald didn't get the ballet. Yeah. It's a joy to be with you, Megan Rapino. It genuinely is. Here. You are one of my favorite footballers in the world. And tonight, I want to go back to the source of the River Rapino. <laughs> You were born one of six siblings in Redding, California. We have someone wow. from Redding here? Have we got the mayor of Redding, California here? <laughs> yeah. or, just, or just the head of Do the tourist board? Do you remember this voice? Yeah. It's like this is your <laughs> life, right? 
It's one hour south of the, everyone here apart from that one person, he said, it's one hour south of the Oregon border. Your sister, Rachel, 30 minutes older than you, a twin. You hold, oh, we can all for that. That was right at the beginning where it got really awkward. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. My life has never stopped being awkward, so yeah. I can empathize. This is true. This but is true. Rep swoosh from day one, though. Look at that. Your whole on brand. Already. On brand. That's so amazing. That's genuinely amazing. I've been wearing LS, <laughs> Fila, Adidas, Lacoste. I've been wearing them all. None of them give a crap about me. She was wearing Nike <laughs> from like the age of seven. They're like, all right, we're all in. Your whole childhood, though, was just the two of you playing every sport, soccer, softball, made-up competitions like one versus one knee baseball, at which I am still quite good. How did that not make the Olympics? Whatever you could compete at, you destroyed all comers, and by all comers, I mean every local boy. You two, you ruled the playground, Megan. We ruled, yeah, we did. We did. We ruled it. The two of us. Take it us wasn't back really to those fair. days. We were Crushing just running amok. I mean, honestly, I don't really remember anyone else. It was just me and Rach. It was two on the world, and we were taken over. We lived, you know, we had our bikes. We lived, like, kind of out in the country a little bit. We would just rip around. Like, you know, you slide out on one side and slide into the, you know, driveway, the gravel driveway, and slide into the baseball diamond. Who knows? Probably just crushing all over. Just, yeah, knocking Boys shit just over. reeling in your wake. Yeah. Boys schmoys. And nothing's and changed. Yeah. And at what age did you start playing soccer? <laughs> soccer. Um, started playing soccer when we were about probably four or five. My older brother played, so I think it was the babysitting mechanism for my mom. She's like, we're going to go to soccer practice. And what was your style as a, as a youth soccer player? Were you highly coached? Did you did you come up with it yourself? Like, what happened? I don't think there was uh, any highly coaching going on in Reading. My <laughs> bless my dad. He was. There weren't any UEFA licenses <laughs> over there. No. In uh, in Reading. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Dad was coaching. He was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> So I just want to make this totally clear. I yeah. have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Let's go. On. Exactly. We don't know what's going on. He wasn't like crazy intense or anything. It was just like, let's just get as many players as we need to play the game on the field at one uh -huh. time. And you let's just described Bruce Arena's entire coaching philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. If you just put him out there. He's very good at lacrosse. Yeah. He is very good at lacrosse. But to me, the source of your superpower memory, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> still too soon. Well, yeah. It's still too soon. It's way too way soon. Can I just say, wow. it's disrespectful what I just said. If he was, he's a very good lacrosse coach. But the, the, Amazing. the source of your superpower maverick skills to me is that you learn to play the game without needing to please a coach. You, and there's a lot of young girls in the audience here tonight more than just that one person from Redding, California. Yeah. Some older girls as well. I mean, you, you, when I watch you on the field, you take risks. And I want to know, what is your unadulterated philosophy on girls and taking risks? Because it's really critical. You know what? I actually, I think I have like a genetic disorder um, or an order. I don't know, however you want to look at it. But I had all this, I did all this like, genetic testing, all this like blood work and it was part of this like thing I was doing to try to, you know, just be better or whatever. 
And I have this thing where, like, it takes me, like, time after time after time to learn that I've done something wrong. So I just feel like I'm like, I'll do it once. It won't work. It's, like, sky high. I'm like, oh, seemed fine. Just try that again, try that again, try that again. And then, like, eventually I do it right. And then it's like, that's the only thing I'm paying attention to. You don't so care about the wrong parts. You just care yeah, about what no. you want to do until it happens. I don't even happens. think I see the wrong parts. It's like, you know, <sighs> over, you know, like they have the goal and then there's like the net behind the goal. If I hit that, I feel like I hit the net, you know. <laughs> so just keep hitting the target. <laughs> keep hitting the target. Um, it is one of the things we always find remarkable about soccer, that hitting the post is an achievement in soccer. It's like, oh, he hit the post. Yeah, it's like, wow. It's great. And in, great job. And it's like, great in, job. The, in the great NFL, job. it's like total failure. Yeah. This is America. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, I think growing up where I did and not having like so many eyes on us and it was just kind of like a free-flowing thing. It was just like, just do it. Just try it. Just do whatever. And I think playing so much with Rachel growing up, it was like this constant game of 1v1 no matter what it was. So it's like if you had to cheat a little bit, you were trying it. If you just had to try some, something new, if you saw something, like we were just constantly doing whatever we could. So you were always ranking yourself versus your sister, Rachel. You never cared about what other people thought, essentially. Yeah, no one really except Rachel. And <laughs> Even to this day. I'm like... The Rachel rankings. Like, yeah. Sometimes people are like, well, don't you care what people think? And I'm like, no. I care about really. Rachel. I <laughs> yeah, care I about care about Rachel. Rachel. Oh, if she ever gives me the, like, full name, you know, if she ever is like, Megan. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hi, but, Ray. So you came up with your playing style, though. It's before the internet scoured for young talent, made lists yeah. of the 100 best 16-year-olds <laughs> yeah. in the world. When the U.S. youth team plucked you out of Reading as an under-16, did you have any idea of how good you were? No, not at all. Not, like, not for like 15 more years was how I like, How did that oh. happen? How then did you get plucked out of Reading, California? I don't know. I was just saying, saying to him back, uh, backstage, Steve Swanson, who's uh, one of our assistants now, I need to go ask him. Yeah, shout out, UVA. Go, what is it, the Who's? Go Who's? Who it up? Um... <laughs> Hooverville. Uh, I need to ask him because, like, I don't know. I wasn't really on state team. I wasn't on ODP very much. We did it for, like, one year, but it was so far from the house. We were just like, we're not doing this anymore. My like parents Ra were like. I feel like Rachel made a call. I think, she, yeah, <laughs> she must have. She made the call to stop ODP. She was like, this is crazy. We're not doing this. I'm missing too many social things. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy, I'm Mom. available. Yeah. And she must have, like, called it. Like, our club team was good, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what was happening. Anyway, fast forward, your mental resolve, your calm confidence contributed to your breakthrough at the 2011 World Cup. You went from substitute to starter, and in the second game of the tournament against Colombia, you did this. There's an answer to the coach, Megan Rapino, 2-0 USA. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Bruce Springsteen, you're just a oh, Jersey Megan Rapino. Yeah. Yeah. That goal helped the team advance out the group stage. You played Brazil in the quarterfinals. Martyrs, Brazil. This is called a setup. They were leading 2-1 in extra time. Suspense build. 
It was an exhausted US. They've been playing with 10 players for 50 minutes. It was injury time, overtime, 122nd minute. I'm exhausted just reading this crap. <laughs> Seconds left to go in the game. The ball fell to the feet of one, Megan Rapino. <laughs> From 45 yards away, she went all Kevin De Bruyne to take the women's game to Nirvana. Let's take a look at the cross. No sense defending anymore. Lloyd's got to get this pass off to Rapino, and everybody's got a bomb forward now. Rapino gets a crossing. It's towards one. It was so far away, unnecessarily far away. Why didn't I keep dribbling? You know, it's like I basically had that person like sort of 1v1, like just, I, sh I should have kept dribbling. Yeah. But no. that, yeah, we could call it a hopeful ball. Yeah. But <laughs> we could call yeah. it a hopeful ball. Yeah. But it was accurate. Yeah. It, it went was, to Abby, which had a, had a good chance of scoring. So many people are like, well, did you mean to do it? Did you? Did you see her? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What do you mean? Did I mean it? No, nobody's meaning to kick the ball from that far away. They shouldn't be. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a drone strike of a pass. And it landed on the head, only on the head of the greatest goal scorer in American wow. history. By the way, not just in American footballing history, but like we talk about Neil Armstrong, he's a hero. We talk about Abraham Lincoln, he's a, no one in American history has scored more goals than Abby Wombach. <laughs> Does it even, when you watch that, do you watch that like, oh yeah, that's me, oh yeah, yeah, great, cool. Or are you like, holy shit. Like, do you watch that with awe as a fan? Are you like, oh my God, that's crazy. Crazy. It's just crazy. The whole thing was totally crazy. We were playing with a red card, too, since like the 60th minute. 50th. 50th minute. Yeah. Rog was there. Yeah. Rachel Bueller, still to this day, I'll never Sub forget. Walking Sub back into the locker room, she's literally still crying, but there's no tears because she's, cr she's actually cried all her tears out, but she's still like, <laughs> 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 I'm like what, what is happening? It's been an hour and a half, and you're still crying. <laughs> You're still crying. Like, how is this even happening? <laughs> it was so crazy. It's, it's funny because you won. <laughs> funny, exactly. Exactly. Hilarious because we won. Yeah, no, I watch it every time. I'm like, this is just the nuttiest thing ever. It was so, the rep was so bad in the game. Like, just terrible on both sides. It shouldn't even have gone into the extra, extra time. She was horrific. She kept doing like, ooh, ooh. I've <laughs> yeah. never refereed a game before. But you went on to win the game on penalty kicks. The same way as you ultimately, this is not funny, lost the final, America. So cruelly against mighty Japan. You rebounded. Good news to win the 2012 Wait, Olympic like gold. <laughs> Along the way, building suspense to the 2015 World Cup in Canada. <laughs> Spoiler alert, turn off if you're listening to the podcast now and you don't know who won. <laughs> By the way, Game of Thrones people who are like, why are you tweeting about Game of Thrones? I've not watched it yet. I'm like, dude, why are you on Twitter? I haven't watched. <laughs> I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I've only just watched like this season. Have so you watched? 
I just like caught up on this. Have you watched the 2015 World Cup? I'm going to spoil it now, Pippi. You haven't. (laughs) I just want you. I haven't seen it. You were Megan Rapino magnificent. (laughs) You were, you were, and you still are. Look at this. The creative spark for the US. You, a team who admittedly were slow to start. Be patient, fans. You found your groove in the elimination rounds. And with a record, this is astonishing. These are bigger than Game of Thrones, funny enough, numbers. 26 million viewers nationwide. You smashed the defending champions, Japan, 5-2. First of all, in that moment, this moment, and the first ever ticker tape parade for a women's sporting team in American history. What the hell took so long? It's It's wonderful and it's disgusting. What emotions did you experience here? Did it feel like you and the women's game had made it in this second? Well, it took a long time for the trophy to get down to me. Uh, (laughs) I'm not one to elbow into the front like some other players, so I was just, you know, off to the side. We're not naming names. We're not naming any names. John Terry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He wasn't playing. Never stopped him, but he wasn't playing. I think just pure elation. That was just like such an amazing moment. I mean, I'd, I, I do know how to celebrate. Maybe that's my motivation for playing all these years is to get to these moments. And I'm like, this is what I do. This is, this is me. This is really what you this do. Is, this is my bread and butter here. <laughs> Celebrating moments. That's the real you. That's the real me, yeah. Everything that's me at my best right there. <laughs> so that audience, 26 million watched that game, much bigger than the men's team ever draw. Even when they, okay, too soon, do qualify for the World Cup. But the Women's World Cup, the World Cup is really like a circus that comes to town, then leaves. Does that reality create a pressure at this World Cup for you and your teammates, or does it create more motivation, the fact that you feel like these huge audiences happen and then they leave from your game? I think it's a bit of both. Um, In the moment, it's so exciting because we don't have this kind of, um, you know, attention, and we don't have the eyes on us all the time that um, that I wish that we would, and I think that we should, and I think people would be interested in. Um, so it's exciting for us. It's like you want to like take advantage and um, you know be the best player that you can and win, and it's just like an exciting moment. But then, yeah, it just like leaves again. You're like, yeah. what the? But no, where are you going? Like, what are we rushing back to? What are you rushing back to? Uh, from the women's game perspective, because it is astonishing. One minute you are being fated, you're in the canyon of heroes. The next minute you're playing in league games, which are, I mean, to be candid, watching with an audience that's lesser than it should be. So yeah. how, is, is that, how is that transition for you? Is it like moving from the hot tub in a Russian bar <laughs> to the cold plunge pool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's shocking. Is what it, it really <laughs> like I say, I never sh- understand the cold plunge pool. I never think Russians get back to me. Unlike the cold plunge pool, it's not invigorating at all. Yeah. And here's what I want to know, because here's what I admire about you the most. We're getting to the core of what I revere about Megan Rapinoe. Even more than a footballer, when you have a moment in the spotlight, you make change with that moment. You are as much of a risk taker as you have been on the field. You are equal of that off it. You put yourself out there for gender equality, for racial equality, for LBGTQ rights. Is the part of you that's like, I have worked so bloody hard to get where I am. Let me just be quiet 
smile, take all that sweet endorsement money, and just sleep on piles of cash. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. I don't know. I did. I part of me, yes, sometimes, um, especially with the pay equity stuff and lawsuit and this guy constant back and forth with the Federation. That's exhausting. Because I'm like, just do it. Like, just, come on. Like, what are we doing, you know? What are we doing? Like, really, you feel like you're in the trend of the way the world's going, like we're, fit, we're still fighting this. So that's obviously very frustrating. Um, but maybe that's because I have more of like a, a face to that battle um, all the time, and it's like in my workplace all the time. The other stuff I feel like are just such big issues, um, deep-rooted issues, systematic, hundreds of years, all of this. So that feels more almost energizing to me because it's like everybody needs to mobilize around it in order for things to change and get better. So it's like just because I'm a soccer player doesn't mean that I don't also have a responsibility as everyone does. Um, so that's just sort of like my responsibility as a human, but sometimes with federations I'm so speaking to the 99ers, as we've had the honor to do over the past few months, when they won the Women's World Cup and a sold-out Rose Bowl, I was there that day, it was amazing. They thought they had climbed that mountain too, only to realize that there were so many more peaks to climb. When you won the World Cup in 2015, it did not transform the women's game the way you would have liked. Mm -hmm. But there is no doubt that something special is really building. One needs to look no further than the massive crowds at club games in Spain and Italy this year. You've taught the rest of the world about women's football. You really, really have. What's it gonna take to put the women's game over the top? And when will we know that we've finally arrived where it needs to be? Oof, good question. Um, I mean, honestly, it takes money, a lot of money. So if there's like a big donor out there that wants to invest in a league, that would be great. Um, I think we talk all the time, like, like yeah. <laughs> Money? <laughs> no? Okay. No? Okay. I'm Great. there for it. Yeah. I'm Great. there for it. Like we talk all the time about like, oh wow, what's it gonna take to, you know, make the women's game grow? What's it gonna blah blah blah? And it's like, it's a business, it's gonna take money, it's gonna take really smart people spending that money. It's going to take, you know, great marketing and great branding and ticket sales and like the whole thing. So and media coverage. And media coverage, exactly. Yes. So all of that, of course, but it also takes people coming to the games and demanding that. Um, you know, if there's 3,000 people at every game for five years straight, then um, maybe the TV companies are going to be like, well, there's 3,000 people at every game for five years straight. Um, so go out, support the club teams, support your local team, support the national team, watch the games on these crazy streams that are terrible. We apologize now, but like you are like the first investors, so it'll be great. <laughs> You're the first in. I just, want, I just want to say, investors. I just want, I didn't plan to say this tonight, but I do, I love, I love you listening at home on the podcast, they own huge multinational brands. And to those of you I'm speaking now specifically, like I've never understood this about the women's game. There are massive brands that could own the investment in the women's game, could own that and take, make that leap up light years. It's ne I've never understood why one brand in the yeah. United States is not saying, we will step in, we will take this brand, women's football, light years ahead where the men's game is growing in America and make that happen now. Yeah, I often think that. I'm like, what, what am I missing here? It's less like I get to this point where I'm like, is it really just like sexism? Like are people just really like not like going to support women? 
Like, it, it can't be that simple. I think it is. That spoiler. I think it is, but I'm like, really, America? Like, that's where, that's where we are, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's frustrating in that sense to, to think that, you know, we have however many, you know, companies and um, family and wealth in this country and, and, you know, investors in sports and sports teams, whatever it may be, MLS teams. I mean, you see, like, what Atlanta's done. It's like, it's not just because... 70,000 people were lined up at the door day one to get taken. Well, it's like, where'd these people come from? You went and found them. Well, look at what the Portland Thorns have done with their NWSL yeah. team. Well, they have an average attendance of 17,000. That outstrips like so many Major League Baseball teams, NBA, all the work, all the rest of the men. They've made it happen. They've made it happen, frankly, through incredible investment and a real strategy. And I do wonder right now why that is not happening more for the women's game. The thing I'm thinking about more than ever is how I sustain. We are going to cover at Men in Blazers yep. the Women's World Cup, the World Cup, through its incredible cycle. How can we do more? How can we all do more to sustain it in the wake? And I hope there are brands that want to step up and make sure that the joy, the meaning, the glory that we are going to watch, whatever happens, sustains itself in this country in the wake of it. The World Cup is coming up. We are just 20 days away from the United States' first game <laughs> against Thailand in Rem. We've been practicing that for a while, Rem. <laughs> it promises to be the deepest, most challenging field of all time. Really deep crap. There's never been a tournament with so many threats. There's so many teams that will take on the United States without fear. I mean, the US are defending champions. They've spent the last two years transforming the way they play from that smash-mouth athletic potency that's destroyed all comers to a more nuanced build from the back possession-based style. How different is this team to the one who marched on Canada, Canada? <laughs> and is it different in a good way, Megan? I think we're very different. We were just talking about this the other day. I think it was Julie um, Ertz and I, who is known for a bit of smash mouth herself. Um, but we were just saying like in 2015, it was more just kind of like back, 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 boom, back, 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 boom. Um, and now we have players like Rose LaBelle and Lizzie Horan getting on the ball a little bit more. Um, I, for one, am happy to be out of the smash ball. I don't think like that ever really suited me that well. It's like just kind of on the wings. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to stay out here while you guys do that crazy stuff in the middle. Um, but yeah, I feel like we want to play more. We're playing a better style, um, possessing more all the way up the field, asking more of, of everyone, um, goalkeeper's feet all the way up to the very top. So. Hopefully that's translating. Hopefully it feels like that, and we're putting a good product out there. So, Megan, can you shut your eyes? Shut your eyes for us. Okay. Use your natural abilities of biblical prophecy, just another one of your superhuman skills, and uh -huh. make a prediction about how the World Cup is going to end for the U.S. Uh, I think we're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing if you're not? I'm seeing elation. Yeah. I'm seeing elation. Yeah, we're liking it. It's like, what are you doing there if you don't think you're going to win? You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, just describe my life. What yeah. are you going to do if you don't yeah. think you're going to win? <laughs> yeah. You end up like this. Be like this. like, I'm going to lose in penalties. Young yeah. people, no, young, no, no, no. young people watching, be like that. Not like this, be like that. <laughs> It'll be dramatic. The field is super deep. Like, the teams are so much fun to watch. Uh, I mean, France, host nation. In my opinion, all the pressure... Um, most pressure is on France. Uh, you know, they're going to have huge crowds. I feel like could make them buckle a little bit. 
Yeah. I'm hoping for that. They have uh, a good squad, but let's let's hope for a bit of buckle. Um, England's going to be good. Japan's always good. Australia's good. We're good. So. Australia yeah. playing so close to Australia, that will make them buckle. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, from your mouth to God's ear, I want to ask you one last question. It's about your legacy, Megan. If I could say, you know, pull some strings, which I can, and guarantee one of these, 100% make them happen, but only one, that you, Megan Rapino, who I revere, would be remembered as a two-time World Cup winner, one of the greatest one of the greatest players of all time. Or you, Megan Rapino, won the World Cup once, but I remember there's someone who was game-changing in the fight for gender equality. Which would you take and why? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we just take them all? Um, I mean, it's... I... I've said this a lot. I feel like I'm getting these like legacy questions a lot now. I'm like, I'm getting old. <laughs> I know that. That's like the marker. It's like, oh, how much, how much longer are you gonna play? And like, oh, how much longer are you gonna stay in your job? Like, I have bills to pay too. Um, but getting more legacy questions. Um, and I always say like, I lo I love the game with everything, of course. Um, it's fun, it's, it's like this childhood dream that I've just been able to live for all of these years. Um, but like eventually it's gonna end and that's gonna, that's gonna be okay. But I feel like this team and, and playing on this team has brought me so much more than any win or any World Cup or anything could, could possibly have brought me. I feel like this team has really taken advantage of the platform that we've had and the change that we've been able to make and just like pushing the game forward in a different way <coughs> me, um, than has done before. So I feel like all of that is so much more special to me than all of the wins. We'll okay. give you both. <coughs> we'll give you both. I will also give you some water. <coughs> okay. Chester. Time to start building. Time to start building towards the award of this sick... It's basically water. Oh, look at this. There she is. Perfect. <laughs> so natural. Does anyone else need water? No, that's fine. Thank you, Katie. Great. No, it was money. I wanted money. <laughs> oh, you went to the wrong person. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> Katie Nolan. So it's, start, it's time to start building towards the reason why we're here, Roger, the awarding of the sixth annual Golden Blazer, the person who's given the greatest service to this sport we love in the country that we love. Roger, will you please lift your Budweiser, perhaps your 15th of the evening, and make a toast. I'm going to make a toast, Megan Rapino. Here's what I love about you. You are an American winner. That was pathetic. <laughs> Let me try that again. I'm an American loser. That's what that response should get. Megan Rapino is an American winner. And I admire that so greatly. 
Even more than that, though, I revere the joyfulness and authenticity with which you not only play the game, but you live your life as a human exclamation point on and off the field. You take risks, you fight for what you believe in, whether that's World Cups or to change the world. You are so life-affirming, you're a human inspiration. I'm going to invite Dave out to approach with reverence because it will burn you up, motherfucker. <laughs> the golden blazer. I want to ask the GFOPs here tonight. <laughs> Sorry, children. That was good. That was funny. I just want to say, Dave, approach the golden blazer with reverence. And GFOPs, please be upstanding for the 2019 golden blazer winner, Megan Rapino. <laughs> I would like, I would like to invoke the spirit of that wonderful Icelandic national team and their fans. Please move slowly towards the Viking clap. the yellow in the Nirvana on your t-shirt, it's perfect. It does. The chains, everything. Very good. It's working. It really works. The floor is yours for some words of wisdom. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> the weight of the jacket, you don't think it's going to be as heavy. It's made of pure gold. It is, yes. It's a good blazer made of gold. <laughs> heavy in this life right now, as does this golden blazer, but I feel like the thing that everyone wants and needs the most is community and to be with each other. So let us this summer be, what is it you say you feel like Liverpool's holding your hand in your, in your heart? Let us, 
Let us hold all of your hearts in our hands. Come together for these 9 a.m. games, these noon games. We promise to take with care. Grab a friend, grab a loved one, grab a child. Definitely grab a Bloody Mary. Definitely grab a beer. Grab something, grab each other, and just have a awesome summer. Enjoy it. Let us be that connecting factor, um, that joyful moment that, that everyone needs so much right now. So let us make you proud. I've got to ask you, though, for the people who are listening, what is the essence, for those who are following your lead, to being the, really the essence of being Megan Rapino and your approach to life? Well, only care about Rachel's opinion. Of course, she'll, she'll keep you on the straight and narrow. Um, be joyful. Um, trust in yourself. Believe in yourself. Take care of other people. And just, like, life is meant to be enjoyed. Um, it's hard at times, of course, but I really do feel um, lean into all of that. And, um, yeah, just, just be exactly who you are. You don't need to be anyone else other than that. And if everybody is that way... Um, then we're all weird and different and, you know, having craziness happen to us anyway. So, um, yeah, just be yourself. Love life. I want to thank you, Megan Lupino. I want to thank you for your dedication in growing the game we love and the country we love. I want to thank you for the inspiration you give me and, more importantly, to the millions of young boys and girls across this nation be bold, fear nothing. To me, that's what your story teaches us. Most importantly, and it is the most important, all of you listening, always be yourself. And I'll say, we wish you and the entire U.S. Women's National Team squad of whom we are so proud. We wish you all tonight, Godspeed. Godspeed Okay. shut down this mother and relocate. Can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. I want to apologize to Megan. There's like a huge piece of cotton hanging off her right shoulder. It's a, no, it's a huge piece of gold, Roger. Yeah. I know, we brought this jacket off Amazon and Jeff Bezos, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Perhaps he should invest in, in women's soccer, yeah! Roger. Bezos, if you're listening, we're talking right to you. Come on, Jeff. Okay, before we shut down the show and relocate to Amity Hall for Roger's 16th first butt of the night, let's bring to the stage a true GFOP, a staple of Golden Blazers shows of yore, the bard of men in blazers, to perform his specially penned Ballad of the Golden Blazer, our great friend, Mr. Ben Clark. Plug it in, bro. 
year was 2011, playing Japan and their talented team. The World Cup tip top the final, live from Frankfurt, Germany. The match began, we battled it out, made chances, and even had scored. But Japan, they had equalized, and the game went on 30 minutes more. By 104, we had taken the lead. By 117, they were level again. Hope Solo did her very best, but we lost it on penalties. And yes, my friends, that final fucking sucked. <laughs> Some teams get to live the dream and ride on a run of good luck. But other squads have to suffer a lot before they finally have their day. Wait on the smoke to clear in a four more years, bring a title to the USA. <laughs> Fast forward to 2015, my queens, we were playing in O Canada. Our ladies legit, the attack was the shit, made the final, everyone was like, duh. Cause we had dominated, there was no debating it, and the very best news of all was a brand new date at the BC place with our good friends Japan, y'all. Well, the party got started and the shit got weird. Carly Lloyd scored twice in five minutes. Lauren Holiday at 14, then Carly again. Hat trick, this match looks finished. The opponent scored twice, but we ended with five. Said sorry and went on our way. With the shiny World Cup and a plane to catch to have a party in the USA. Yes, my friends, that final was insane. The kind of show we may never get to see again. But here we are now, it's 2019, and it's time once again to sing for the greatest squad the world has ever seen, the U.S. women's national team. They're gonna go skipping through the grope stage with 20 goals and three clean sheets. Boogie on down in the knockout round, this team does not suffer defeat. And who will they take on at the Stad de Leon? Well, time can only tell. But be rest assured, everybody has heard the USA is gonna give you hell. Yes, my friends, I know we can hardly wait to hear that whistle blow and watch those women annihilate every crowd who tries to fight us, any team who has not heard about the one we lost in Deutschland and the five we scored up north. If you pick your battle with the USA, they're never gonna let you score. We're gonna fry to France, finish every chance, come back with the trophy on board. It'll be the greatest day in the USA since Meg Rapino won that Golden Blazer Award. And can we have one more huge round of applause for an inspiration for me and I think for millions of others across America, the winner, and we are genuinely honored to be able to say this, of the 2019 Golden Blazer, a great friend of ours, a great inspiration for me as a human being, Megan Rapinoe.
as I said to my daughter when she met Megan backstage, be like Megan Rapinoe, not like your father. <laughs> and so, my God, it's not just the baldness. I just say it's not just the baldness. It's the, that surface, friends, that surface. It's the approach to life. When Sam Donald beat me in that high jump, Never recovered, did I, David? Nope. It's where the darkness started. <laughs> and so, coming full circle, our sixth night of the Golden Blazer, I've loved every second, comes to a close. We want to thank you all, GFOPs, great friends of the pod. We never take it for granted, your support, your love, your passion for football that's channeled to us, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, we want to thank... We never want to thank you. You made it a night of nights. We love each and every one of you, and thank you. We want to thank Hope for the Warriors for the work they do to help service members and their families in this country, sincerely. Woo! Proceeds from tonight's show are going to them. And a massive thanks, as ever, to our sponsor, Budweiser, who not only make the most refreshing beverage in the world, but they make our crap possible. As do the tiny yet mighty team who make all of this happen. Producers Rachel Chodor. They are mums here tonight. Jordan Dalmido of the New Jersey Dalmidos. Our Tony Award winning Broadway theatre impresario slash Chelsea fetishist John Johnson. And of course, the puppet master in all we do. The most talented part of Men in Blazers, yep, J-Dubs, producer J-W, Jonathan Williamson. Who, incidentally, we discovered working as a writer on Crowd Goes Wild with Katie Nolan and Regis Philbin in 2013. Okay, let's go to the pub, GFOPs. Amity Hall is just around the corner. Come and have a glass or two with us and let us say the 2019 Golden Blazer is closed. Courage.